Annie, if there was just one thing that people remember from our conversation today that you think would be of value to them, what might that be? That would be how to have a courageous conversation. And I'm looking forward to having one with you that elevates the team, the way in which the team works and helps them to find their collaborative edge. Hello, our guest today is Annie Townend, leadership partner, facilitator, coach and author and host of the Leaders in Conversation podcast. Annie specialises in helping senior leaders and their teams create safe environments where meaningful and courageous conversations can happen freely. Along with her colleague Lucy Kidd, she's also co-created a leadership framework called the Collaboration Equation. The four components of the framework are psychological safety, inclusive dialogue, diversity of thought and feeling, and something they call collaborative edge, which we'll be learning about today. I'm Robert Diggings, and this is Highly Relational, the podcast about creating, leading and developing great teams at work, along with all the joys and messiness of enabling and inspiring people to work together. We have one simple aim, to help you create exceptional teams with the people you work with or the people you lead. In our conversation today, Annie explains how we can stand at the edge of uncertainty where the magic happens only once we feel safe and cared for. How sharing something personal, recent and relevant sparks curiosity and opens up deeper conversations. And why this work isn't about eliminating conflict in the workplace, but inspiring it in the service of creativity. Collaboration sounds easy if you say it quickly. Tech giant Google has been trying to understand how to create the perfect team for over a decade. Project Aristotle was their attempt to decode team success and the results are both obvious to anyone who's been in a team and helpful if you like a simple answer to a, on the surface at least, straightforward question. Essentially, openness, dependability, clarity, purpose and impact support high levels of collaboration, creativity and shared success. When people feel fearful about sharing their ideas, about being criticised or ignored, they unsurprisingly eventually stop bringing them to the table. Not only are potential creative breakthroughs missed, but a team like this can easily become dysfunctional in other ways, and people are prevented from doing their best work together. That's why Annie is so passionate about unlocking the power of skillful conversation, where everyone feels included, valued and heard. Given we're all engaging in conversation every day, I started by asking Annie what's the difference between what most of us are doing most of the time and what she calls courageous conversation. I think it's about intention and practising curiosity, care and courage in that order and all three of them being really important as part of creating a safe environment. So I often, working with teams, talk about we're here to have the conversations that matter, to have conversations that perhaps they wouldn't ordinarily have, and to be able to have those conversations together to create a safe environment in which everybody brings curiosity, care, and courage. So what, what, what's, I think, immediately obvious to me is the juxtaposition between courageous conversation, which might sound like an enormous amount of saying things that are unsayable almost, and then the way you reframe it around inclusion and care and making sure that everybody feels valued. I imagine that that's not very easy. I think key in all of that is creating the safe environment. So something that I'm known for is helping leaders and their teams to create that safe environment in which people practice curiosity, care and courage. And then that leads to inclusive dialogue. And that's the behaviour. The intention is there to be inclusive. So when I arrived here this morning, I was welcomed. I was well met by one of the people who works in this co-working space. And I didn't know who they were. They didn't know who I was or why I was here. 
in that moment, we were well met and we introduced ourselves to each other in a way that we might not have done if I had headed straight to the cafe and simply got a drink. But because I stopped, paused and said hello, we both stepped into the unknown. Was I there for a meeting with him? Was I somebody that he was going to be having a conversation with? And we had a conversation. And in that conversation, I was curious about who he was. I was really acknowledging of the space that we're in, a space I've not been to before, nor have you. And in that moment, there was a practice of curiosity, care and courage. And me saying, I don't know, I haven't been here before. Yes, can you guide me or you're explaining your uh, vulnerability in some respects around yes. around coming here and uncertainty yeah. around what might be happening or where you need to yeah. go. Can we have a courageous conversation? I'm, I'm very interested now by if we were to orient, I mean, you may be already doing that, but if I was to orientate to what you've just said about curiosity, care and courage intentionally, because they're not three words that I would normally hold um, in my head as I'm doing these podcasts, although... Of course, there's a, a high level of curiosity in, in the role that I have here. I wonder what the difference would be between the conversation we would have had and the one that we would now have if I orientate that way. I suspect, Robert, that you already do orientate that way without necessarily thinking about it. So I feel cared for cared for by you, the setup of coming here to have this conversation with you. I also feel you've invited me to be the other side of the microphone today and to speak openly, which takes courage in the sense of bringing some vulnerability. I'm usually the person asking the questions. And indeed, the curiosity is there in the fact that you've invited me to be here, to be in conversation with you. And all of that, the intentionality, whether conscious or unconscious, brings me here and I feel you have created a safe environment. So I, I, I agree with what you've said. I'm aware of, of how curious I am in general and in particular in this role as leading the conversation perhaps. I'm aware that care is important for I do hold a belief that in this situation, guests are able to perform at their best if they feel comfortable and looked after and mm -hmm. valued. So perhaps the thing that piques my interest the most is around courage and how courageous mm -hmm. I am willing to be. I hear your courage in, in being a guest rather than an interviewer or the conversation mm -hmm. lead. But I wonder what more, if I dialed up courage, what that would mean for these conversations. So we'll, I'll, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'll hold that as a, yeah. as a thought. Hold that as a I'll great thought yeah. and a great question. And I think your podcast is all around highly relational team working, helping people to connect, to be relational, to be personal with each other in order to improve performance and to be able not only to be their best, but to do their best work, which is very much why I do the work mm. I do and how I show up to do it. And so I think I often lead with questions. So you're holding that thought and asking the question, in a team of two, I would be asking you, what does courage mean for you? Lovely question. Uh, and, and you've turned the tables. <laughs> You're <laughs> leading the conversation, and I like that too. It, it's a big question, isn't it, mm. what courage is? Mm. Uh, and it can be answered on, at different levels. Mm. Uh, perhaps ultimately for me, courage is about becoming fully present. Uh, because the present moment is not only elusive, but it is also mm. uncertain. There's a lovely, it reminds me of a, of a forgive me because I don't know who created it, um, so it's not mine, but it's an idea that you put on a flip chart or a board, a uh, comfort zone with a circle around it, and then you draw another circle near it, and you, and you write in there where the magic happens as a kind of idea that, that the magic is only in the present moment because that's all there really is. Mm -hmm. But how willing am I to be in the present moment with you now? 
is an interesting mm. question. It can be easily brushed mm. aside and kind of like, well, what does that mean? Of course, you're in the your your, your body's here, and but that isn't really about becoming fully uh, present yeah. and letting go of all of my stories around the past mm. and the future. Mm. Is that pointing at all to what you are intending? to create when you work with a team is that part of what you would define as a courageous conversation for a team to have or is that is that getting too esoteric or a kind of we're heading into a kind of more of a psycho-spiritual kind of question around how we show up in the moment or is that also part of your work Annie? I think it's very much grounded in the present, the work that I do, and the way in which I prepare myself for meeting a team and welcoming them in the room. I will always, in person, arrive early, as indeed I did today. As part of preparing myself, I usually make time to be able to arrive, to walk, if I'm getting the train, then to walk to where I'm working, if it's under an hour. All part of me showing up very present, present to myself, so being curious about how I'm showing up, but most importantly, being present in the moment, curious, welcoming the team in, and helping them to be present, present to each other in possibly a different way. So in the business of getting stuff done and of having an agenda around probably what are de deliverables, I'm very clear that in my partnering with the leader and their team, we are going to be having conversations in which we get to know each other better, we understand each other better, in particular that we are growing together, we're in that learning zone. So I've come across a similar circle, within circle, within circle, where in the middle there is the, the comfort zone, then the learning zone, the magic zone, and then the panic zone. It looks a bit like a fried egg. And for me, I want to work in that learning zone and also where the magic happens, I believe, happens at the edge. And often leaders will hear me talking about leadership is about getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. There's something about being at that edge. And I use the metaphor from permaculture where growth happens at the edges. So in growing together, building our relationships with each other, being present to each other, it is about being at that edge, the edge between us and being present to each other. So it's very grounded. I love what you've said. And there's so much in uh, the last two minutes of, of, what, of what you've said that we could explore. Let's, let's pick out a few things. I'm very curious about how you're received when you start working with a team. What you've described is similar in many ways to my own practice with working with senior teams. And in that, I see part of my role as being disruptive. Would you agree with that or do you take a different orientation to what, what your role is at the beginning of the work with perhaps a team that for whom this mm -hmm. is all very new? Mm -hmm. And with a team wherein there may be people who are new to each other or haven't don't really know each other yet. Absolutely. I think where I start is with the, the most senior leader um, having a conversation with them, an open conversation with them, probably a courageous conversation with them, understanding their ambition for the team, understanding the bigger ambition of the business, the organisation, and crucially, understanding the context, you know, where they are now and where they would like to get to and how this team, this very senior team, above and beyond their individual roles of leadership of their teams. They are part of this leadership team that is leading the culture of the organization. Mm. And people who choose to work with me are interested in that. They want to know about what it means to create a culture of care and connection in which people can really be their best and do their best work together. How we can really perform well with each other 
And that I start by creating that safe environment. I've been described as experienced and edgy. I like that. And I think that speaks to your disruptive. I'm not sure that I am disruptive when people first meet me. I hope when they first meet me, they feel welcomed by me. I hope that they feel they can trust me and that I will be able to help them be confident in who they are together and be able to have those conversations with each other that may be interruptive, disruptive, creative. I can tell, and so can those uh, listening to our conversation, that the great skill that you have in being able to articulate your practice reveals the expertise that you have when you work with teams. To be able to say the things that you've just said as mm. clearly as you've said them, I mm. can kind of get a feel of what it would be like to be led by you as in, mm. a, in, a, in some kind of team intervention. And I know I would be very, very excited and um, kind of hairs on, on the back of my neck going as you're talking because it is such beautiful work that delivers far in excess of any business outcome that anybody's after. But of course, it is orientated to uh, some kind of business outcome because a business is paying for it. Mm -hmm. Let, let's broaden, well, let's both broaden and, and get a little bit more focused about your work because I know that you have co-created a model, a collaboration model called the Cal Collaboration Equation, which includes uh, many of the things that you've yeah. been we've been discussing and that you've um, shared with us so far. But just give us a, an overall sense of that framework because mm -hmm. it may help us understand how these pieces fit together. I co-created our collaboration equation with Lucy Kidd, uh, with whom I've worked on and off for many years. And we describe ourselves as partners to leaders. So we're already in that space of collaboration, of co-creation and of working together. And I was asked on a webinar to describe how we work together. And so this is what I described, is that we start with helping leaders to create a safe environment, then add inclusive dialogue. And by that, I mean inclusive behavior, the intentionality of being inclusive, of feeling included, and of creating a sense of belonging. We always put inclusion before diversity. We always put safety before inclusion. So start with safety, add inclusion, and then you get diversity of thought. And more recently, we've added diversity of feeling. So working with leaders, partnering with leaders and their teams who have identified perhaps that people don't feel safe to express different opinions. We also noticed that in our work with the senior team, that sometimes people's different feelings about the same situation were not necessarily being acknowledged. So we've added to safety plus inclusive dialogue plus diversity of thought and feeling. Combine all of those three things and you get to collaborative edge, true creativity. That's where the disruption happens, the, the magic. We're at that edge. And of course, it's a play on competitive edge. It's a play on competitive edge because together, as that leadership team, highly relational leadership team, we are collaborating. I always also like to distinguish between collaboration, cooperation and coordination. When do we need to be practicing which? And the great thing about all three and possibly even more so when we talk about cooperation and coordination is that we need to trust each other. We need to be relational. We need to know that you will get on with that. I will get on with this. And we are able to create that culture of care and connection between our teams as well. In support of the idea of me being more courageous, I have a question, um, which I could have easily let go. Yeah. The question is about the contradiction between the edge, mm. 
and the safety. And the reason I, the reason this is important to me is because I believe, and I'm very happy for you to tell me that you believe something different, but I believe that the edge is dangerous. Ah. And I love mm. paradox, so I don't have mm. any issue. I don't have any problem with the, um, your conceptualization, um, but I'd like to hear you talk about that contradiction mm. that I see and whether you see it too. So that edge for me isn't about safety. That e you're, you're, you're almost telling me that you start with safety, but you end with something that isn't necessarily safe, not, not in the mm. sense of it being predictable. That's a great, that's great to hear you wrestle with that. I think the edge would not be okay if the work hadn't be, been done in creating the safe environment in which people can have inclusive dialogue and diversity of thought and feeling, which is why collaborative edge, true creativity, and you know, really working together and having those courageous conversations of being on the threshold. You know, I think it's interesting how sometimes people will hold themselves back from having a conversation, from putting an idea forward, which may be disruptive in the way that you were talking about earlier, Robert. If we feel safe and we know that we'll be listened to and that people are listening to learn and to understand, then we will be able to be at that edge where I think the magic happens. But without the the groundwork, the relational work that, that you're talking about as well, then I agree with you. It would it would be and is in some cultures, organizations, globally, people are, are not able to be their confident best and do their best work. They do have to hide uh, a lot of themselves from being who they really are. So this is uh, deep, deeply lovely. Uh, um, and I'm <laughs> enormously uh, touched and, and uh, somewhat in awe of your answer. It, it, it is um, so beautifully articulated. It's made me uh, think of the conversation I had with Neil Malarkey, and I've, uh, he, he talked about the creativity and spontaneity and uncertainty and ambiguous nature of improv comedy happening within a context of structure. So mm -hmm. creating a container, which is in an improv sense, it's, uh, he, he kind of talked about the theatre itself and the, mm -hmm. there are staff and they've got insurance and uh, they, they've got a start time and they've, uh, you know, they've got food and drink and there are a lot of things mm -hmm. that have been worked out. But then what happens on the stage is, is not predictable it, and nobody knows mm -hmm. what, it, what it's going to be. And in that, there is an element of, of danger and it's why people find it quite frightening to do. <laughs> um, and uh, in some respects, a bit like your leadership thing, if you're not uncomfortable as a leader, maybe you're not doing it right almost. <laughs> and uh, improv has that aliveness because mm -hmm. it is, it is, it is at, at an edge. And so wh where I've gone with what you're, you're saying is something around that the safety and all of the intentionality around the inclusivity and the setting up a safe environment uh, where people feel comfortable and welcome then possibly enables you as, as a consultant and facilitator of the process to move the thinking to somewhere that might be edgy and in that possibly lose some of the sense of safety because someone might say something that we don't like or that's never been said before or mm. argue with me about what mm. I've just said. Mm. Is the way where I've gone with that, does that fit with how you hold that process? So, mm -hmm. so in summary, the way I have taken what you've offered is you start with safety and by creating this great safe container, it's possible to do something that's more, in my, my words, dangerous. Mm. I think that I do create a safe environment. And I think that's mm. where in our collaboration equation, that's why we start there with the practice of curiosity, care and courage. And in, in the setup, I'm creating that safe container. And I go in knowing that I'm not going to know what will happen. But I know that what I am going in with, my intention is to go in with creating that environment with the people in the room in which they can speak, be listened to, be heard, 
and I enable that and enable them to do that, which is why I love working with groups and teams, because I really do believe in the power of the group and the team. I'm there almost to help on the days that I'm there, the stepping stones to give to help people have an experience that they can have with each other every day, be able to have more open conversations perhaps to understand each other better and to feel more confident in their being a team together and representing each other, advocating for each other. So I'm, I'm of course, very aligned to what you've shared with us today. So let me just play devil's advocate uh, for a moment. I can imagine, because I get challenged in this way uh, around my work at times, I can imagine there will be people listening uh, to our conversation today, senior leaders, who will say, this is all very well, all makes a lot of sense, all very desirable. But when push comes to shove, there needs to be high level of disagreement, possibly even conflict. And, I, and I'm a, uh, and I imagine you are too, a big fan of Patrick Lencioni's work, the five dysfunctions of a team, a very simple model. One of the levels is conflict, and mm -hmm. it, he's chosen that mm -hmm. word very deliberately. So for those people who are wondering, this all sounds a little bit touchy-feely, perhaps, where is the conflict here? Where mm -hmm. is the, where does the, 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 what's the expression, where does the tire hit the road here? Mm -hmm. And how is that contained within a framework of curiosity, care, and courage? Great question, because it's absolutely about disagreement, about having conflict and being able to have those conversations. When people feel frightened, when they feel excluded, when there isn't diversity of thought and feeling, there won't be creative conflict. There simply won't be disagreement. There will be rumblings, but there won't be open inclusive dialogue where difference is welcomed and the collaborative edge is all about difference is welcomed. Conflict is a necessary part of being creative and it's that you you could think of it as a creative edge where conflict, disagreement, different points of view, different ways of feeling. So collaborative edge is about working on creating that safe environment so that we can have conflict, so that we can be able, we feel able to ask questions, to challenge, to disagree, and to help each other be even more creative and deliver even more commercial success. Mm. I, I, I like the way you've you've put that. And that, for me, kind of takes us back to the beginning of the conversation where I was saying, well, there's safety. And then for me, there is some, something that we could call dangerous or um, at least edgy. And, mm. uh, and and I love the fact that you, what, you said people people refer to you as what was it? Was it well, I was once described as, by somebody as experienced and edgy, <laughs> which I really like. I am experienced. Yes. And, you know, I think I often do work at the edge mm. and I know how important it is for people to feel safe, to be able to enjoy conflict. You know, if there isn't conflict, there probably isn't the creativity and productivity that could be happening. Could you say something about how you do that? I know that's a it's a simple question, and uh, 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 the answer isn't obviously going to yeah. be well. I just do this and this, but could you give us a, a sense of how how you create that safe container mm. uh, that's that is kind of predicated on curiosity, care, and courage? Yeah. Well, I've noticed about myself, so applying curiosity to myself, as I mentioned earlier, I always arrive early, usually having walked from a station or somewhere or had a walk. So I arrive, I arrive in the room. Often the room is not laid out as I would necessarily want it to be. Sometimes it is. I always ask for there to be no tables. We usually, if not always, sit in a circle of chairs or if in a large group, several circles of chairs. So I'm already communicating something different. I'm known for never using slides, uh, no matter how large the group. So I'm there to help people have conversations whether they're 
different conversations, whether they're courageous or simply a conversation with somebody that they haven't yet had a conversation with. I encourage people and welcome them into the room. I like to shake hands with people as they arrive, if that's possible, depending on the size of the team, the group with whom I'm working. And I welcome people in, invite them to sit somewhere, maybe next to somebody that they don't ordinarily sit next to. Depending on the day, and you know, it all depends. There's so many unknowns, Robert, in the work that you and I both do. If it's a beautiful day, and I know people have potentially had quite challenging journeys to get to where we are, I may indeed start with a paired walk and talk, invite people. I will usually, with the the leader, the senior leader of that team, have sent out a few questions to help people reflect. So I think reflection and conversation go hand in hand. So people will have had their own time and space to to think. And that along with creating a safe environment, I do encourage leaders to think about creating a thinking environment. The work of Nancy Klein is great on that. You know, that our job as leaders is to help people to do their best thinking. So giving space and time for people to reflect. Sometimes I may start in the room, in the circle, uh, depending on the conversation, the courageous conversation that I've had with the leader in the setup or the ongoing conversation, because typically I will work with the senior team over time. I very much see myself, as I said earlier, partnering with the senior leader, supporting them in their leadership and then supporting the team. I will want to hear from everybody But at the very beginning, I might say, you know, what will help you to feel safe today? And I write everything up on the flip chart, if there's a flip chart. There isn't always. You know, it's one of those unknowns. I didn't mention that if I go into the room and the blinds are down, I will open them. I love daylight. I love to work in the light. I love to be able to, as I've mentioned, get outside maybe invite during the day, if not at the beginning, a paired walk and talk. Walking and talking with somebody maybe who I don't usually interact with is the invitation. Or potentially somebody with whom I need to and I'm going to be working with. Usually I will give people a question uh, to go and and walk with uh, and to share and talk about. I'm encouraging something I'm absolutely sure, Robert, that you practice, the I-U-We. So in the courageous conversation, the side-by-side, if we're walking together, I'm encouraging the I, me, to share my experience. This is how I feel. This is what I think. This is what I'm wondering. What do you think? A little bit like you and I are now. Then in the team, the we the who we are becomes all the more powerful because I see you, you see me. And my ambition always is that people feel seen, heard and understood. It's an ambition. It's an aspiration. And, you know, as human beings, I might miss something. I will say that, you know, to the team. Together, I encourage people, particularly as we're very used to being in Teams meetings, Google Meet, Zoom meetings. One of the things, it's, I think it's a luxury post-pandemic that we're in the room together, that you and I today are sitting as close as we are today, is wonderful, something we took for granted. Um, and we'll never, certainly I won't ever take for granted again, the being able to touch. I visited my elderly mother Um, and wasn't able to touch her at a time in her life, at the end of her life, when I would have really loved to, and sat outside her window on the phone uh, initially when that was allowed, her the other side, having an interestingly, and I'm being courageous now, sharing with you the kind of conversations I had with my mum and 
and with my dad ahead of when he died were courageous conversations. Often they're ones we don't have a map for. Nobody had shared with me how to have that conversation about where would you like to die? How, where, what would you like? So there's something about that, me to you, and together we can make that happen. We can do our best. And in that, I want you to feel seen, heard, and understood by me. At the minimum, seen by me, heard by me, and hopefully understood by me. Thank you for bringing it to something so mm. personal as your conversations with your with your mum during lockdown. Yeah. And what I appreciate you doing for us in this conversation is bringing something, bringing our focus to something that's outside of work and the value yeah. of. Uh, I, I know your practice is a corporate or a, a, a business so. intervention, mm. but the, these skills and in, in, and in some respects, I, I imagine we could have the same conversation just talking about. Um, friendship or family relationships? I think so. Your podcast is highly relational. I think leadership is highly relational and highly personal. So in my work, partnering with leaders and their teams, it's about helping people to bring all of themselves, the human to human connection. And hence, in my work with Lucy, our talking about creating cultures of care and connection in which people can perform, outperform, do their best work together through being, being able to be who they are. One of the ways when I'm meeting a, a team possibly for the first time or there are new people in the team, I'm always keen to find out curiosity, care and courage in practice a little bit about who each person is. And I found a really lovely way of doing that, which is to invite people to say something about who they are through their name. And often people will look somewhat bewildered. What is that for me to say about my me through my name? And very much in the spirit of a leader going first, and I know sometimes leaders go last, but in this context, leading the way, sharing a little bit of who they are through the name of their story, I will share first. So I will share that I'm Annie Townend. I've always been Townend, but I haven't always been Annie. Now, I could stop there, which is probably where I'll stop now, Robert. Or I could go further and I could share that until I've mentioned my mum already, until this time last year, there was one person who still called me by the name that I was given at birth. And now there's nobody because she died uh, a year ago. So I'm bringing the personal in. I can also share with you, which is very new and recent for me, that I've recently become a grandma and that my grandson also shares my last name. So in that very short sharing, you know something about who I am Robert. And that has already taken courage. I could have stopped at saying, my name is Annie Townend. I've always been called Townend. I haven't always been called Annie. I hope two things have already happened, that you, your curiosity has been sparked. <laughs> Wonder what she was called. <laughs> um, and that's another story. Uh, but equally, I've gone that little bit further and shared something personal and recent and relevant. You know, I'm living with the, the grief of my mum having died. And I'm also living with the joy of becoming a grandmother all in the same time. Do I think that has shaped who I am and how I lead? Absolutely. And I believe that's the case. And when we're talking about being highly relational, it's it's you and me as leaders together. Yes, and the, and the other thing I noticed, I've got, I mean, there were many things about the, the, the name Annie Townend and how you shared that, but it also required, as you did so, I could see that you connected to feeling about yeah. 
your recollection about a different name that you had at birth and and there was a thought process that was um, running alongside those feelings and even though you didn't speak it it was happening in you and in that we we if we were in a team session we would be seeing that and feeling it and then the are you talking about becoming a, a grandmother for the first time and uh, the joy of that and again a kind of sense of personal you connecting to intimacy in you exactly and us witnessing that even though you may not have told mm -hmm. us a very long story about Indeed. it and, in and there's an invitation there then totally and for me that invitation is is there i'm also sharing in a role modeling kind of way there's a lot to be said about who you are i'm also saying something about names matter and how we pronounce names. I'm also speaking to something around inclusivity and diversity, which I'm really passionate about. And that speaks to my second question that I ask leaders. So there's who you are, and then there's why you're here. And then together as a team, so who are we? What do we stand for? And what are we leading for as a team? We're here to deliver, to lead, etc. But, you know, and therefore, how are we going to, you mentioned earlier, show up, be present? Well, you, and you're pointing so beautifully to the humanity of a team. Or, well, uh, we are human, teams are human, as opposed to it being functional. Indeed. And just before we, we move on, Annie, I want to just capture that last week I spoke to Joel Mitchell, who's the managing director of stagecoach southeast and he also talked about i you and we so it's just fascinating and lovely that you mm. should bring it uh, to our conversation today he okay. he framed that as a a maturity curve or a developmental yeah. process and so if you haven't heard Joel's conversation uh, from last week, you may find it very interesting to mm. compare some of what he said to what uh, I'm talking to Annie about today. So let's let's just um, step back from your work and where teams often are when you start working with them. So our, I, I know that you work, I'm not sure whether it's exclusively, but certainly a great deal with senior teams, top teams, as some mm. um, executive teams. Um, what's your sense of where we are, I don't know what I don't know who the we is there, but where, as a country, as a as an economy, as a a business based economy in say the UK or even further afield, where are we in that movement to get to where you're describing? Are we a long way away from it? Are most teams like well, this is this is going to be quite a journey to get to what you're describing, or is it? Are we on the cusp of it anyway? And and you're just nudging teams into something a little bit deeper. How would you describe that? My hope is that we're on the cusp, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. as in the edge uh, of that, and that when I'm invited in to work with a leader and their team, it's usually because they've heard about the way in which I work. And it's usually because mm. they they have heard something that has sparked their curiosity. And so finding out why they would like to work with me, why we, you know, and how we're going to partner together and me asking questions and the way in which I work is, I think, important. In terms of, I work with a real variety of organizations in the, in the UK and globally. I love the variety. How I work with, with them is I really, people are people wherever we are and meeting, back to our, the beginning of our conversation today, meeting people where they are at matters to me. And I go on a journey with them and for some, that journey may be longer than others. I think that through creating safety, being really conscious of inclusive dialogue, practicing diversity of thought and feeling and getting to collaborative edge, we fast track and close the gap between where we are and where we want to get to 
much more quickly. I do think of days with me um, as being stepping stepping stones and that it's the, the what happens in between. In the same way in a day with a team, I will say what happens in the coffee break, what happens in the lunch break is as important, as significant and relevant in so many ways as to what happens uh, during the, the day where I'm perhaps asking questions and encouraging conversation. And of course, that's true. And, and, and one might even say it's more important because, of course, if the team can't sustain mm. something of the intervention uh, or the work or the exercises mm. or the, the, the way of being together, however we want to call that, mm. that you're offering or that I'm offering or any yeah. other coach or team development consultant may be offering, if the team can't take that into their own mm. way of being together, it, it cannot deliver almost any value at all. So that so the the lunch break within the context of a of an offsite that you're running is a is a microcosm yeah. of how they're going to be in the next month between the, or yeah. two months or whatever it is between the sessions. What what could you say are the indicators of this journey unfolding for somebody listening to our conversation today who is whose interest and curiosity is piqued by by what you're what you're saying and the way that you work how could they in them in their own minds do a a kind of thumbnail assessment of where perhaps they are currently well my hope robert is that you the listener listening to our conversation um your curiosity will have been sparked and you may be thinking, what are the conversations we're not having as a leadership team? Is it around safety? How good are we at creating a safe environment for ourselves, for each other? But also, for example, often people will come in to present or share some research or whatever work they've been doing. How safe do we make it for members of our teams to come into us as a team and to uh, feel included. How good are we at creating that sense of belonging? And then asking, what are the indicators of belonging? It may be, you know, what has you feel a sense of belonging? What has you not feel like you belong? So you're already having the conversation around inclusivity and it may come down to language. Some of the language that's used is ex exclusive for some people, some of the behaviours. Where could I be more inclusive? You know, in the team, when people have been, for example, if they've had a paired outdoor uh, walk and talk and they come back and I'm working uh, partnering with the leader, I will usually invite them, sit next to the person that you've been walking and talking with, and then we may hear back from everybody. So through movement, moving things around, sitting somewhere differently, thinking about the environment, thinking about to what extent do we include people who may know nothing about the subject matter, but may have something that they can contribute, moving us into that diversity of thought? Again, asking questions around how will people feel about this? Do we know how each other feel about this? Do we ever talk about how we feel about this? And are we able to do that? And um, that's what I hope is from our conversation today, that people, you, the listener, will be thinking about some of the questions from your noticing of your team and what you're hearing that you might ask that will help the team, everybody in your team, but more widely in your organization, in your community, feel that sense of building together. Uh, I describe us all as culture brokers. We're all brokers of a culture of care and connection in which everybody, no matter who they are or where they're from, can do their best work.
We we are um, coming to the uh, end of our time together, uh, uh, and I know we could uh, we must speak again. We could uh, easily talk for longer, but let's just talk in some practical sense of how these ideas someone could take these ideas into their work tomorrow into a meeting mm-hmm. um, maybe a, an offsite in you know in a week or two where the team are together for not just an hour or so mm-hmm. but maybe for a day mm-hmm. or so how could somebody in that team who's listened to what you've had to say today just start applying some of these ideas so this conversation becomes useful I'll go back to the beginning about being present. Ask a question about what it means to be present uh, of oneself in the day. I wouldn't wait for two weeks. I would start with yourself as a listener to Highly Relational Podcast and think, how present am I? How could I be more present? How could I encourage my team to be more present to each other? What do we, I, you, we, what do we need to do that will help us be more present to each other? It may be that you've been, your curiosity has been sparked and you think, I wonder how people, how safe people really feel to be able to have open conversations? Are we seeking diversity of thought and feeling? How could we encourage more of that? So in my encouragement to the listener is ask more questions, ask them together, work on them together, pay attention, keep on noticing and helping and supporting and challenging each other to have even more courageous conversations every day. Don't wait for your away day. Start today. Annie, it's been a great pleasure speaking to you today. I am enlivened by what we've been talking about and um, uh, I hope we can do this uh, again and explore some of these things um, more deeply. But for today, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, Robert. I've loved being in conversation with you. Look forward to having more conversations with you and also potentially to working at the edge with you. Thank Thank you. Thank you, Annie. The collaboratively edgy Annie Townend. Thank you so much for coming in to see me today. You've been listening to Highly Relational. Check out the show notes for more information about today's guest and the topics covered. And if you're enjoying these conversations and getting value from them, do please give us a like or rate wherever you're listening or watching. And of course, there's no better way to support what we're doing than by subscribing. I'd like to thank today's audio engineer at Brown Bear Audio, Thomas Dalton. Our researcher is Ella Halsell and the series producer is Ollie Giu. I'm Robert Diggings. Thanks for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.